0: Well, it turned out to be a two-parter. Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here. Brian Sussman Show, Faith, Family, Freedom. This is episode 197. Yesterday's was 196, obviously. I wasn't sure if yesterday's podcast would turn into two parts, but it has. I was reading to you from a manuscript. It's part of a book that I'm writing. And it was a chapter entitled Designer Pollutant, or it is a chapter entitled Designer Pollutant. And I was literally reading right from the chapter. Found a few typos, by the way, (laughs) which I've since cleaned up. But this is therapeutic for me because I'm able to actually read what I've written. And sometimes in the process of rewriting, that's an important thing to do. Actually read aloud what you've written. And uh, I hope it's very very beneficial to you because the world is all about climate change right now and all about carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide has been so vilified when, in fact, it's foundational to life. So I'm just going to pick up where I left off. There are some moments in this manuscript that I'm reading from where you may say, wait a second, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about here. You're referring to something that I'm not aware of. Well, that's because this chapter's towards the beginning of the book, and there have been some chapters before that have set the stage for this moment. So I'm just going to pick it up right from where we left off yesterday with a section of this particular chapter entitled So Little CO2, Carbon Dioxide. Critics will foment over this section because like the slick salesman selling an imperfect product, they don't want you to take a good look at what you're buying. It's astounding to note that of the gases in our atmosphere, the amount of carbon dioxide is almost imperceptible. By percentage, the gases are ordered as follows. Nitrogen, 78.1%. Oxygen, 20.9%. Those two gases, I'm going to pull away from the script here because this is actually in a chart. Those two gases are, they compose 99% of the atmosphere. Then there's water vapor, uh, 40%. It's a variable gas, though, so water vapor can actually be as much as 70% sometimes. It's very, it's variable. Argon, 0.9%. Carbon dioxide, 0.04%. That's 40 hundredths of a percent. Neon is less than that. Helium, methane, krypton, hydrogen, nitrous oxide, ozone, carbon dioxide. Those are all trace gases, by the way. From carbon dioxide on down, trace gases. Carbon dioxide, I'll get back to the script here. Carbon dioxide only accounts for 40 hundredths of a percent of our planet's atmosphere. Also oftentimes noted as 400 ppm or parts per million. It's also known as a variable gas, along with water vapor because it historically fluctuates. And what percentage of the minuscule amount of CO2 is produced by human activities, including the utilization of fossil fuels? This is an important question that the climate cult does not want you to see. While writing my book, Climategate, in 2009, the answer to this question was readily available online via any search engine. At that time, I easily found a thorough analysis by the Carbon Dioxide Information Analysis Center, a, wing, a research wing of the U.S. Department of Energy, stating human con- contribution was only 3.207%. However, that department closed down in 2017, and now such data has been virtually scrubbed from the Internet unless you do the math yourself. So using high estimates, it would appear that human activity contributes something in the neighborhood of 4%. Allow me to repeat this critical fact. Carbon dioxide compromises forty-one-hundredths of the Earth's atmosphere. And of that amount, a mere 4% is generated by mankind. Now, here is an effective analogy to better wrap your brain around this measurement. In Climategate, I allude to an analogy. Oops, better change that. Analogy, analogy in two sentences, one after the other. Get out the thesaurus, Brian. Um, This was originally penned by the late Michael Crichton in his best-selling eco-thriller, State of Fear. It's 2004. It provides a visual that infuriates the cult. On page 387 of his book, Crichton likens the gases of the Earth's atmosphere to a football field. Now I'm quoting from his book here. The goal line to the 78-yard line contains nothing but nitrogen. Oxygen fills the next 21 yards, stretching to the 99-yard line. The final yard, except for four inches, is argon, a wonderfully mysterious inert gas useful for putting out electronic fires. Three of the remaining four inches are crammed with a variety of minor but essential gases. And the last inch, carbon dioxide. The equivalent of one inch out of a 100-yard football field. If you were in the stands looking down at the action, you would need binoculars to see that width of that line. And the most important point, how much of that last inch is contributed by human activities? The equivalent of a line as thin as a quarter standing on edge. So how much has CO2 increased in the atmosphere since the use of fossil fuels began in the 19th century? Approximately 50%. Or half the thickness of Crichton's Quarter. The percentage of CO2 in the atmosphere remains just a trace. During over 200 years of industrialization, with the population of the planet increasing from approximately 1 billion to 8 billion, with billions of vehicles of all sorts cars, trucks, airplanes, ships all with engines running off fossil fuels and billions of homes and buildings powered by electricity derived in large measure from natural gas and coal, the pollutive gas is just a sliver. This is why the cult has done a solid job of burying the percentage of human contribution. By the way, the increase in CO2 is clearly within historical norms. Paleoclimate researchers are quick to reveal data illustrating that in the Eocene period, 50 million years ago, CO2 is probably six times higher than today. In the Cretaceous period, 90 million years ago, it was as much as seven times higher than today. And in the appropriately named Carboniferous period, 340 million years ago, carbon dioxide was thought to be nearly 12 times higher than current levels. Many surmised dinosaurs were able to grow to such monstrous sizes because of the indescribable abundance of foliage fed by the heightened levels of CO2 during the present, during that uh, present, during that era. Next section is called Greenhouse Gas Game. So I continue. The greenhouse effect is aptly named. First coined by scientists... In the 1800s, it describes the way crucial gases in our atmosphere absorb heat from the sun, thus maintaining an environment appropriate for human habitation. Scientists in the 19th century used the term in a favorable way, conjuring relatable imagery of the warmth experienced in a flower or vegetable greenhouse. A greenhouse with glass walls and roof allows the sun's heating rays to shine through and enter the otherwise sheltered environment, warming it nicely in comparison to conditions outside the glass. In addition, the plant greenhouse traps an entire day's worth of warmth, preventing the heated air from completely radiating back into the sky at night. When soil is brought into the greenhouse, seeds grown and irrigation applied, other factors begin to dramatically warm the artificial environment. The water from irrigation begins to evaporate, creating vapor and increasing humidity to further warm the surroundings. Depending on where you reside, you may be well acquainted with the effects of humidity. On a humid summer day, it's difficult to move outdoors without beads of perspiration breaking on your brow. At night, the water vapor-laden air seems heavy and the temperature has a difficult time dropping to comfortable sleeping levels. This is because humid air tends to retain its temperature. This is the greenhouse effect working at the microclimate level, in this case, your region of your residence. On the macroclimate level, without the greenhouse effect, the earth would be a ball of ice, void of life. Not surprisingly, many websites touting climate change Fail to list the giant of all greenhouse gases in their alarming commentaries, water vapor. This is incredibly disingenuous given that water vapor accounts for 95% of all greenhouse gases. Perhaps water vapor is not mentioned because the computer models used to predict the long-term consequences of anthropogenic warming are highly challenged by the complexities presented by condensed water vapor in the form of clouds. As Dr. Roy Spencer, one of the eminent scientists I noted in the last episode, writes, one of the primary methods the Earth, one of the, one of the primary methods the Earth has for cooling itself is the production of clouds which reflects some of the solar radiation that reaches the Earth back to outer space. Because the average effect of clouds on the Earth's surface is to cool it, any natural change in global average cloudiness can also be expected to cause global warming or global cooling. In other words, clouds are i I'm just getting away from the script here. Clouds are a big deal. And, and clouds cannot be predicted by the models. You know, you have all sorts of levels of clouds. You have, I should probably write this in the, uh, as I, I'm probably going to have to add this to the chapter. You have cirrus clouds, you know, at 40,000 feet. And you have fog at ground level. Various layers of clouds, thickness of clouds, scattered clouds, widely scattered clouds, completely cloudy skies. It's so variable. And it's so dependent on so many factors that the models can't deal with this stuff. Okay, getting back to my script here. Following water vapor, the remaining 5% of the greenhouse gases are in order, CO2, methane, nitrous oxide, ozone, and carbon monoxide. However, stay with me here. It must be noted that methane is 21 times more potent than CO2 when it comes to the greenhouse effect. And nitrous oxide is 310 times more capable of retaining the sun's heat than CO2. Carbon dioxide is actually a lesser player in the greenhouse gas game, but it represents something political progressives loathe happiness. It comes from our cars and our trucks the heat and air conditioning used to use to keep our homes comfortable, the plowing of the fields for our bountiful food supply, and the industry that manufactures the products we enjoy. I, I mentioned something here. I, I will have to set it up. There was a guy named von Liebig uh, who was a disciple of Karl Marx. He was the first person to attack capitalism based on the environment. He called it a robbery system. Uh, but I'm going to just go back to my script here and here's the line I'm using. It's Liebig all over again proclaiming from the grave that those of us who desire a better quality of life are guilty of maintaining a robbery system. The next section of this chapter is entitled Recycling CO2. When a major volcano blows its lid on the Pacific Rim, a lightning-induced forest fire rages in the Rockies, or an Indonesian peat bog eternally smolders, huge amounts of long-stored CO2 are naturally released in the atmosphere. The carbon dioxide banked in weathering rocks, decaying coral, and decomposing plants is also constantly meandering through the cycle. When the carbon cached in fossil fuels is released back into the atmosphere, it's temporarily held and finally absorbed by a variety of sinks like the ocean. Dissolved carbon dioxide becomes the exoskeleton of the snails, the shellfish, and coral. The ocean's floor is also rich in sedimentary limestone, a petrified modification of CO2, also known as calcium carbonate. Same stuff you take to ease a tummy ache or heartburn. A major sink often overlooked by the layperson includes the CO2 that's been petrified over time in rocks. Another major sink includes the organic compounds found in all things both alive and dead. De- deceased organic matter includes coal seams, natural gas, petroleum reserves, as well as newly fallen autumn leaves, recently felled trees and even animal and human corpses. Through the process of decay, the carbon stored in all organic substances is released back into the air as an inorganic carbon dioxide or re- released into the air as inorganic carbon dioxide to be reworked into the carbon cycle. There's also a mystery at play in the carbon cycle that scientists have a difficult time computing. When an agitation, besides clouds, when an agitation occurs within the carbon cycle, for example, a major volcanic eruption, like that, natural mechanisms seem to maintain the cycle's, cycle's equilibrium. This was noted when Mount Pinatubo erupted in 1991. I recall showing my television audience the enormous ash plume as witnessed from satellite during that major volcanic blast. A cloud of particulate eventually covered much of the globe. Over the next two years, Earth's average temperature dropped by one-half degree Fahrenheit. It's theorized that the matter injected into the atmosphere by Pinatubo were actually partially able to block the sun's radiation and thus decrease the global temperature. But the mysterious conundrum for scientists is that during the same two-year period, The amounts of atmospheric carbon dioxide decreased globally. And they can't explain it, friends. Could it be that the massive amounts of CO2 spewed into the sky by one of the most powerful volcanoes of our lifetime was being offset by some natural mechanism like absorption by the oceans? Advocates of human caused climate change are quick to emphatically say no, because even a maybe would put a dent in their theory so that's a portion of the chapter that I've been, uh, that is a chapter from a portion of the book that I'm working on and it was very very therapeutic for me to read it over these last two podcast episodes and I hope it's been beneficial for you to hear it more on me at Brian I'll keep you posted on the where the book's going by the way I'm, I'm very excited about this though and I have the. What I'm also thrilled about, I have the complete blessing of my wife to spend massive hours in my man cave working on this thing. <laughs> so. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for listening. More me at Brian Sussman Show, Brian's uh, Brian Sussman Show on Facebook, Brian Sussman Show on Instagram, Daily Doses of Inspiration, and my website Brian Until next time.